Good morning, friends. Oh, you, you sound so springy on this spring forward day. Like, yeah, chipper. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, my name is Larry. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, we have uh, been having a conversation about money and wealth. And uh, this hasn't been a conversation about what I want from you, but this is a conversation about what I want for you. And uh, a couple weeks ago, we're just finishing this up now, we started this conversation about setting up the biblical framework for wealth and what that looks like, and uh, how this has become such a taboo topic um, that we just, a lot of us don't feel comfortable with talking, a lot of us don't like other people talking to us about it, um, and um, the power that wealth or possessions and finances has in our life can be used for incredible good, or it can cause um, just in, immense issues in our lives when it comes to relationships, when it comes to our own stress, anxiety, strife, toiling, um, what we become consumed with, and it really can entrap us and keep us away from others, and it changes relationships. It can change relationships with God, it can change relationships with other people, and so we looked at what a biblical framework looks like and the things that we need to do to participate, because the Bible has a ton to say about this, because um, the scriptures know, God knows um, the power that wealth and finances has in our life. So we've been having that conversation because most, I shared this before, most of the um, conversations I have with couples that are in counseling, um, that I just have in conversations with friends um, that are on prayer requests, have something to do with possessions or finances and the stress that can come from that um, in a lot of times an unhealthy manner. And so it was like, hey, Let's, let's as a faith community lean into this and become a better follower of Jesus when it comes to uh, our wealth and what he's taught us, and then we need to understand this. So um, that's where we're, we're at right now. We're just finishing that, so if you're with us online, you guys can go back and check any of that other stuff out. You can as well. Last week, um, I shared with you about the shrewd manager and um, how we need to use the little bit of time and the little bit of opportunity we have to do the best with it. And God gave us some really incredible, very intense right up in our face imperatives or commandments um, about what we do with our wealth and what's important to do with it. And I didn't quite finish that passage. We're going to finish it um, a little bit today. I also talked to you about that it's inviting us to participate in the kingdom work, right? He's inviting us. He's saying, use your worldly wealth to gain friends. And that there's a bigger thing. There's eternity if you're a follower of Jesus that's at risk. And we need to be prepared to participate in that. But we can't if we have debt, and so we talked about that we've got to get on a plan. So I hope a lot of people this last week, I know a lot of people I talked to are like downloading the Every Dollar app and starting to have a conversation to get on a plan um, so that they can participate and know how to participate and take care of what God's asked them to take care of now and then participate with uh, things in the future. Uh, and just for those of you who are worried, my relationship with my daughter is still strong. I talked about her <laughs> last week. If you didn't catch that, you can watch it. But I talked about how she's you know, becoming a, a middle schooler, and she's starting to smell, and um, she has to choose between Frappuccino and deodorant because she's learning the responsibility of self-budgeting. It's a great conversation if you want to go back and listen to it, but <laughs> some of you are still shaking your head like you're the worst person ever. <laughs> no, it's so good. I went, I got home, so she's not even the service. She's at the middle school service, and I went home, and I saw her, and I just busted out a 20 bill, and I just, I threw it down. I said, hey, thanks for today. And she like looked away, grabbed it, and went, yeah, I heard, and walked away. <laughs> like, you do you, girl. You do your thing. It's all good. 
Go buy some deodorant. No, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So last week was budgeting. It was super practical, tactical, because we're like, hey, we don't want to miss out on the opportunity to participate. And um, this week, as we start just closing this thing up, I um, want to talk about, in your notes, it says um, that who's your master? I would actually change this title now to the Upside Down Kingdom. And this idea of where kind of wealth lands in our life. And we constantly are striving for it. How do we get more? How do we think how we can, you know, we're worried about it. We're grasping for it. And we always think, if I can just get a little bit more, money or wealth will finally deliver. It's this whole if-then concept. If, you know, you got to take care of this. But anything outside of this, it's, well, if something happens or if I can, then I'll participate and other things, and what God's invited me to participate in. And what we've been learning over the scope of this conversation is two specific things. One is that money can add meaning to your life, but it's not the meaning of life. And we need to understand that we can have a meaningful life. We can be meaningful uh, if we uh, uh, use money and who we are and what we have to be uh, a means to an end, not the end, right? So it can add meaning, but it's not the meaning of life. We also talked about how um, we have stuff or we have stories and that we're a part of a grand story and our legacy is going to be a part of a story. And the story we're telling right here, right now in our relationships, right here, right now um, with the way that we make decisions right here, right now with our family. And we have an opportunity to make sure we're participating in the stories that God has invited us in to participate with. Um, the other thing that we start to understand and see when it comes to our finances is um, we kind of have a self-control issue. Our self-control determines which of us, which of us between money and us gets control. We can control our money or it can control us. There's a quote, you know, if I only had more money, if I only had more money, then uh, I would be... Uh, or no, the, if I only had more money, then I could do something with it. When really the question is, is if you only had more self-control, um, you'd probably be much happier off. You'd be able to do much more. You'd be able to be a person of influence uh, and you'd be less stressed. And money tells us this and it has this big conversation with us, um, you know, if it could. <laughs> and it says things like, hey, I'm a much better servant uh, than I am a master. And we can find ourselves, if we really do some deep down self-evaluation, that we can start to look at money as the master uh, and we're its servant. But we can put it in its place and it wants to say, I am a much, much, much better servant than master. And this is right where faith and finances intersect all throughout the scriptures. Prayer in the Bible and the scriptures, Old Testament through New Testament, is mentioned 500 times, prayer is. Faith is mentioned less than 500 times. Love is mentioned 75 times in all of the scriptures in that really thick Bible, you know, in your phone. <laughs> um, uh, do not fear, do not worry is mentioned 365 times in scriptures. When it comes to your money or possessions, over 2,000 times it is mentioned. Why? Because there's an issue. There's a war that is taking place, and God knows all about it. And he knows all about how it can impact us uh, and how it can become a major issue for us or uh, a major thing for good. So um, 
Paul writes in uh, a book called Galatians. He's writing to the church, and um, we actually did a series on this last fall. We walked through the fruits of the Spirit. And so he's talking to the church about what things look like, and he specifically mentions in Galatians 5.16, he says, he's talking to followers of Jesus. He's saying, hey, walk by the Spirit. You need to walk by the Spirit. And what's the Spirit? The Spirit is, walk by the Spirit. When you're abiding with God, specific things happen. It means like, seek out the Spirit and ask, what shall I do today? How would you have me participate? Is this a good decision? Should I be writing this check? Should I be swiping this thing? Should I be giving this away? Should I be keeping this? Make sense? Ask the Spirit, because the Spirit, how, a lot of times the best way to, to um, connect that with you is really like that, that thing that you're conscious, the thing that nudges you, that says, yeah, right, uh, mm, think about that one, that might be wrong. It's the thing that whispers to you that a lot of times we can't hear because everything else is so noisy, or our self-control is out of whack, or it's just like all, all, we're talking too loud about ourselves of like, I want, I need, I'm consumed with this. And so he's saying, hey, Walk by the Spirit, listen to the whispers, pause for a moment, uh, and see what the Spirit is going to nudge you towards, because when you do abide in the Spirit and with Jesus, with God, specific things come out, which is fruit. And so he labels these. These are all things that you want other people to have, and I want you to have too, right? Because we want to hang out. You want your in-laws to be full of love. (laughs) You want to be full of joy and peace. You want your sister to have this, your brother-in-law. These are all things you want your coworkers to have. You want to be full of forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and then there's our word, self-control. He's saying, so walk by the Spirit. Here's the deal. When you're walking by the Spirit, uh, uh, an outcome of abiding is self-control. Uh, which can be an issue for us, especially when it comes to our possessions. And he's saying you need to uh, walk into the Spirit and slow down and decide who's in charge. Because what comes out of that is we can become, to be, we can become mastered by our appetites, right? And he knows that. Uh, we have tremendous appetites, uh, we are not good at that. We want just a little bit, and then that leads to a little bit more and a little bit more because our appetite grows. Most of you, I don't know how good you're at doing this. It starts with, I'm going to walk over to the freezer tonight, and I'm going to just a little spoon of ice cream, and I'm going to sit down with a little spoon. The next day, you're looking for, well, how big of a spoon do we have in this house? Then that little spoon turns into like, as much as you could possibly fit on the spoon, right? Because your appetite grows. You're like, oh, this is so good. I need more. Then that goes into a coffee cup. Then that goes into a bowl. Then that goes into a mixing bowl. No. <laughs> the next thing you know, you got the whole carton next to you, right? And none of us want to admit we are mastered at times by our appetites because we don't have self-control. Many of us in this room just right now, there is something that is mastering us and, and people would be like, well, how's, how are you doing in life? Oh, man, I'm, I'm pretty in control. When God's honest truth, you can reflect and be like, I'm not going to tell you, actually, I'm being mastered by something. There is something that is constantly in the forefront of my thinking. I, you know what it is. I know what it is uh, for myself. And he's saying, hey, you have to walk in the Spirit, and the outcome of that is self-control. 
because he, he, knows, he knows this about us. Last week, I shared with you the story about the shrewd uh, decision of this dishonest manager. It's a fun conversation to have. And talking about the little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity we have. And he's talking about, hey, this is what you're being entrusted with. You should be using your worldly wealth um, for eternal dwellings to make friends. So there's like an imperative, a commandment that we should be doing these things. And then what I didn't share with you, which was the ending of this story, as Jesus is telling and, and leaning all the way in, he says this, and you've heard this, I'm sure. He says this in Luke 16, 13. He said, no one can serve two masters, right? Nobody can serve two masters. And if that word also translates in the Greek or in the other languages there into uh, two people who uh, dominion over you or specifically Lord. No one can have two lords. And most of you know how to finish this. You cannot. So if you didn't get that, you cannot serve both God and money. Interesting how he chose those ones. Money. You could put anything else in the blank there, but he said, <laughs> let's just quit playing around. Let's get right to the deal. Let's get right to the thing that most of us could all attach to because I am at war. You are at war with making a decision in this upside down kingdom. Who's your master going to be? Is it going to be God or is it going to be money? And so you have to ask ourselves, we have to ask ourselves, do you have money or does money have you? Do you have money or does money have you? Do I have money or does money have me? A self-evaluation will show you things maybe you do not want to see. Whether you want to have that conversation and have them look at your blind side or blind spot, or whether you want to start unpacking that yourself right now by walking with the Spirit and seeing what's produced out of that. Everyone's at risk for this. Between this, these two choices that we have, God or money, we're all at risk of this because making money, and if, if it turns into where we're seeking possessions, becomes our ultimate thing, uh, our ultimate pursuit, our ultimate concern, right? It then becomes our ultimate. So if, if, if we're constantly thinking about losing sleep about, or thinking about how can I get this, how can I use this, um, how can I make more of this, uh, and it not only is thinking about, but it's what we're doing, and it starts, you know, even breaking relationships, um, then it becomes our ultimate, which, what is our ultimate? It becomes our Lord. <laughs> it becomes our master. And God's saying, whoa, 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 this is a big deal, friends. Come on, lean in. Then he asks this. This is, this is Jesus. This is so true. He says, come on. You, you are so quick to give me all kinds of things. You are so quick to give me your kids. You're so quick to give me your sorrows. You're so quick that when you're driving down the street to pray that there's not blue lights behind you <laughs> lighting up. God, I, I need you to get me through this one. God, will you protect my kids in the season of that they're going through or at school? God, you heard what the doctor said. God, you know my friend stuff. God, you know about my job. You know about these things. God, all these things. We're so quick to give them all of these things right up. We're also so quick to give them our eternity. Most of us, a lot of us in here, have quickly, it's crazy how quick it happens, said, God, I'm going to surrender it all over to you. Uh, hey, God, you said I can have this. I don't even have to sign any paperwork. This is really great. I want to be in heaven. I want to live in eternity with you. Uh, this is awesome. And we hand it over, 
right? And say, you can have, you can have my whole future. But the one thing that most of us struggles with is the one thing we feel like we need to have control over, which is our possessions and our wealth. Isn't it crazy that that can become our Lord? And he's like, hey, hey, I, I, I'm saying it's God or money. I need you to pick one. And so often we're like, that's a little private. <laughs> that way, that's the area that I'm controlling, that I feel like I've done and I've worked for, Right? And, and, it, and, it's, and it's crazy how quick we, how slow we are to ask God to walk in the Spirit. God, how would you have me use this wealth? Instead of deciding, this is mine. This is how I'm going to use it. And I'm going to make a decision. I mean, I've even seen it where people have waited and they want to be generous. And they're like, hey, I'm just waiting to give someone money because I'm, I've made the decision about where this goes and what's going to happen. And who gets the glory? You do, right? Your the master. You made those types of decisions. So, so he then leans in further. Jesus does, and God does, and he says, here, and uh, a very familiar verse. He says, this is how you put things off to the side. This is how you, like, do this upside-down kingdom. This is how you make sure you're keeping the priority as God first. This is such a common verse. So many of you have heard this, and this is the specific context that has to do with possessions and stuff and money. He's talking about this, and often we take this verse way out of context, and we make it kind of mean whatever we want to make it mean. He says this in Matthew. He says, but seek first. But seek first. So he's saying, hey, when it comes to like who your masters are and the things that you're worrying about and, and, dis- and trying to decide like, oh man, I don't want to like fall into that trap, right? I want to have self-control. He's saying, this is what you got to do. First thing you got to do is this. Seek first. Number one, start here, right? And it continues. Seek first my father's kingdom and my father's righteousness, Seek first. This is the first thing you have to do. You have to say, Master, here first, and my Father's righteousness. And you're going to say, well, like, what's that? Like, what's the righteousness stuff? I would tell you, read the four Gospels. They're all the Gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And just look at the life of Jesus and how he took the kingdom of earth and us and flipped it upside down. This is how he lived right? He changed everything. He showed up and dumped everything upside down on his head. There's um, a story where he's on his way to uh, Jerusalem, and he's got like his crew walking there behind him, and they're making their way to Jerusalem, and they are still leaning in and thinking that Jesus is Joshua, Yeshua, the warrior king, who's come here not to save them from their sins, but to save them from Rome, and the oppression, and the persecution. And so they're waiting. They're like, yeah, when we get to Jerusalem, he's going to go in like the telephone booth, change, and come out as Superman, and we're going to have a new kingdom. He's going to be lording over everything. We've seen what this guy can do. This is real deal. So they're walking behind him, arguing who's going to sit at his right and who's going to sit at his left. Who's in first and second place? Because like any of us would do, we see somebody rising up. You want to hang on to their coattails, because you want to be a part of the kingliness, the kingdom, right? Like up high in the authority, the top of the triangle. And he hears him doing this, and he stops, and he turns around, and he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys are getting this all wrong, right? And so he says to him, do you want to be great? Yeah, I want to be great. Do you want to be great? Yeah, I want to be super great. Why do you think we're hanging out with you? We want to be on the top. That's what we're arguing about. 
And he goes, you have it all wrong. This is not of me. And you are wrong. You've got it completely wrong. So then he explains, I didn't come in this world to be served, but to serve. And then to give my life as a ransom for all. So get it right. It's upside down. You got this thing wrong, right? It's first kingdom. This is an other's first situation. He then um, goes uh, just a little short time later, and he's getting ready actually to give his life for us. Uh, And he's in an upper room um, with his disciples, with his friends, and they're sitting down. And one of the first things he does is he changes into a robe. He kneels down and begins to wash their feet. And they kind of freak out. Like Peter's like, whoa, whoa, no, you can't do this. You're like the king. You're like the Messiah. You're the big guy. Like we're like the other people. We're supposed to be washing your feet. We're supposed to be serving you. And he's going, sit down. That's not how this works. Sit down. That's not how this works. So then just silence as he works through 24 feet. That's disgusting. (laughs) But but it's a beautiful example (laughs) of ultimate service. He works through as they watch the king kneel down and to serve and to wash the feet. And then he tells us, you too wash people's feet. What's first is last and last is first. This is the kingdom that you're a part of. This is what we are supposed to be a part of, that God is our master and the other things and status and the top of the triangle and reaching out for this is second, right? Then he goes and gives himself up for you, for me, as a sacrifice to serve you and me and all of those that are going to be here at some other point. He continues this, um, this one little verse right here. It says, seek first, the first thing we do, the kingdom, my, my father's kingdom, and my father's righteousness. And then because he knows like that we're worried about stuff, because we're like, well, wait, I mean, that's all we're supposed to do. Like, I got bills to pay. Like, I got to take care of stuff. I got a future to plan. We've already gone over that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then he just real obviously points in that. He goes, yeah, yeah, you're good. All those things will be given to you as well. But what's your priority? First, me. This is the master, not the other things that you're worried about. Not the stuff that you're worried about that you're not going to be able to have. Not, the, not the, the, the possessions that you're getting a hold of. He's saying, hey, I want you to flip this thing upside down. This is an other's first kingdom. And we see that we get in so much trouble, friends, when we put ourselves first, we often end up last. Because we push everybody else out. We're just about me, 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 me. Mine, mine, mine. Toil, toil, toil. Frustrated, frustrated, frustrated. I loved um, the transformation story today. It pulls specifically at my heart. I know Ben and Janet. I've gotten to know them. Uh, they're wonderful, wonderful people. My wife and I have adopted internationally and foster adopted locally. And to see another group of people in there, I could point to all kinds of people in this room that participate in that, that get it, the upside-down kingdom of others first. To see how they've leaned in and said, there's children out there um, there's kids out there that need to be loved and be taken care of. And we're not going to worry about us first. We're going to lean all the way in on whatever it takes and jump into the mess. Here's the craziest part about their story. They didn't, they didn't get into the foster and the adoption stuff um, because they couldn't have kids. They actually don't know if they could have biological kids yet. They just felt like God said, 
this is what you're going to do first. I need you to lean all the way into this. And so they said, okay. And they're going to adopt first and then see what kind of other family comes out of it because they feel like that's what they've been invited into because it's an upside-down kingdom, right? That's crazy. And it's gross because it's not just all rainbows and butterflies because guess what? That's where the mission is. That's where God's abiding and he's doing his work in this broken, broken place, right? And I know so many people have done that. So right now I'm not asking all of you to go get a kid. (laughs) Some of you actually probably should, uh, 100%. Uh, It's so hard. It's so gross. But everyone in this faith community can participate in the upside down kingdom. Everyone can be supportive of those types of families. Everyone can be supportive of those kids in these foster systems. That is a conversation for later. I could go off on that for a while. And the beauty uh, that God truly adopts us. But that's that whole idea. It's a you first, not a me first. And, and, and where it gets like real gross, and this should bother you a little bit too because it bothers me, um, is really what he's saying. He's like, hey, look at, again, all these things that you're willing to give me. But when it comes to your wealth or your possessions or your security to this, you're not willing to give that up. You still keep that in first. And you say that you've surrendered? That's not surrendering. You really haven't surrendered everything or yourself. So here's your bottom line with that, your take-home for this week, your evaluation for it as we're kind of finishing this conversation up. I want you to clearly know this. Jesus does not want your money. He wants your heart. This is a war for your heart, not for your money, not for your possessions. He's saying, I want your heart so bad. I want good for you so bad that I'm going to talk about it so much, that I'm going to lean in, I'm going to love you, and I'm going to tell you how much I want this for you, and I don't want to see all that other stuff happen for you. I want your heart, not your money. Your money is what you participate in this really beautiful story and legacy. And that conversation's for another day. But this week, what story does your wealth tell? What story does your possessions tell? As you walk in the Spirit, what does it show? What is it used for? How well are you taking care of it? How well are you managing, managing it and stewarding it and not owning it or letting it own you? Right? Because you have a master to pick. It's one or the other first priority, and then everything else is taken care of. Would you bow your heads? God, it is incredible to me that you're willing to do just about anything and everything for our heart. You will chase us down. We don't even have to chase you. (laughs) You are right there in the mess. You are our mission. We are your mission. God, thank you for our community. God, thank you for the opportunity to tell stories and to be a part of stories that are happening all around us. May we be challenged by you this week as we truly evaluate who has our heart. And God, be gentle with us in the midst of repentance and reconciliation. God, affirm us and love us 
Um, we thank you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me?